Hello and welcome to this episode of the Chemistry Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Matthew McCario. A warm welcome back if you're a returning listener. And if this is your first episode, welcome along. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow in your podcast player so that you can continue to learn from this, because this is the podcast where we intend to make you chemistry confident. This is the second episode in our series on oxidation. And in this episode, we're going to talk more about oxidation states of atoms and how to assign oxidation states, how to deduce what the oxidation state is of an atom in a substance. To do that, we're going to talk about the rules that we apply in the mathematics for that. Firstly, we'll just recap what an oxidation state is. Then we'll talk about the rules we use to assign an oxidation state to an atom within a substance, within an ion or a compound. We'll go through a few examples and then we'll talk about how we can use the oxidation state information once we've deduced it. So a quick recap on oxidation states or oxidation numbers. The two phrases can be more or less used in place of each other. Uh, An oxidation state is always going to be a number that we use and it's a number that shows us how many electrons an atom has relative to its elemental state. So what I mean by that is if an atom has lost or gained electrons during a reaction, the oxidation state will identify whether it's lost or gained electrons and how many. In order to do this, we need a process. We need a set of rules, if you will, in order to assign oxidation states. The first rule is basically our point of reference and we reference everything against the element. So the atoms of any element in its elemental form have oxidation state of zero. If we have a piece of copper metal, copper is in oxidation state zero. If we think about oxygen in the air that we breathe, the oxygen is elemental, so that has oxidation state of zero. Likewise, the nitrogen in the air is elemental, the nitrogen has oxidation state of zero. The next rule is about compounds. The individual oxidation states of atoms within a compound will be varied but compounds are always neutral in charge and the total of the oxidation states of all the atoms within a substance is therefore zero. And that helps us because if we know the oxidation states of most of the atoms within a substance, we can usually calculate the last one because we know the total adds up to zero for the compound. The next rule is about ions. So let's consider a simple ion first, an ion with just one element within it. Well, The oxidation state is the charge divided by the number of atoms in that ion. So if we have a sodium plus ion, there is just one atom and the charge is plus one. So the oxidation state is easy. It's just plus one divided by one. So it's plus one. Another example would be the oxide ion. There's one oxygen atom in the ion and a two minus charge overall. So the overall oxidation state is is minus two. Simple ions of just one element are quite straightforward to deduce the oxidation state. Complex ions, whether atoms of more than one element present, are a little more complex. But the most important thing is that overall, for the ion, the oxidation states add up to whatever the total charge is on the ion. For example, if we consider a sulfate ion, SO42-, the sulfur and the oxygen have their own individual oxidation states, and in total they'll add up to minus 2 because the charge on that ion is 2 minus. We'll look at sulfate in more detail later on in the episode. So when we've got more than one element present in an ion like that, we need to know standard oxidation states. So some elements will only form one oxidation state within compounds. 
once we know those, it helps us to calculate the oxidation states of elements that have variable oxidation states. So bear with me, we'll talk first about those that are fixed, because that'll help us, that'll give us a compass of where to start with the other elements. So let's think about the group one metals. All the group one metals in a, in a compound are always plus one oxidation state. They can only make a one plus ion. Group two metals can only make a two plus ion and therefore their oxidation state is always plus two. And following on from this, aluminium only makes a three plus ion and therefore its oxidation state is always plus three. The other element that only ever has one oxidation state is fluorine. So the oxidation state of fluorine in a compound is always minus one. Then we have a few elements which are almost always in a particular oxidation state. And we're going to talk about those and just mention briefly their exceptions as well. Hydrogen is almost always in the plus one oxidation state. When you come across hydrogen as an H plus ion, it's always in the plus one oxidation state. Now there is an exception. Hydrogen will form a negative ion, a hydride, and it will do so in metal hydrides. For example, it's possible to get the compound sodium hydride, NaH, in which case the hydrogen is in the minus one oxidation state. Oxygen almost always exists as the oxide ion, which is the O2 minus. So there's one oxygen and a two minus charge on it. And that means the oxidation state is minus two. Again, there are some rare exceptions for oxygen. So oxygen can form a peroxide ion, which has got two oxygens and a two minus charge overall. So it's O2, two minus. So if we divide the charge by the number of atoms in that ion, we can see that the charge for that is minus one. So oxygen in peroxide has minus one oxidation state or oxidation number. And one further exception you need to know about is that oxygen can form a compound with fluorine and that compound is OF2. Now fluorine always has a minus one oxidation state and in that compound oxygen has an oxidation state of plus two. Let's think about chlorine. So chlorine is almost always present as chloride and chloride is Cl minus. So chlorine is almost always in the minus one oxidation state. However, it does have exceptions. Chlorine can make compounds with oxygen or fluorine. And in these compounds, chlorine has a positive oxidation state. Now, there are a number of those compounds with fluorine or oxygen that chlorine can make. So a list of the possible oxidation states would be a little pointless. You would just have to work it out based on the formula of the compound if you were asked to do that. So that leaves us with a number of elements that have variable oxidation states. Some of them have quite a few oxidation states. These are the ones that we might be asked about mostly in an exam question. And these are the ones that vary a lot in redox reactions too. So what elements are these? The transition metal elements tend to have multiple oxidation states available to each of them. Some of them have several. Also a lot of the group 15 and 16 elements and we'll typically be looking at sulfur, nitrogen, phosphorus, but potentially some of the other elements as well. Now we're going to consider some examples and we're going to use examples in complex ions because the simple ions are very straightforward to work out. We can start by deducing 
the oxidation state of the manganese atom within the permanganate ion, and that ion is MnO4 minus. So it's a manganese, four oxygen atoms, and overall there is a single negative charge. So we know the total of the overall oxidation states has to add up to the same as the overall ion. So that means the total of the oxidation states within the ion must add up to minus one. We also know that oxygen is usually in the minus two oxidation state. It's an oxide. We know this is not a peroxide, so we know that the oxygen present must be present in the minus two oxidation state. So we have four oxygens, each has a minus two oxidation state, so that adds up to minus eight. And we know overall the ion must have minus one oxidation state, and that leaves us with just the manganese. That's the only other atom within the ion, so the manganese must add up to the balance of the difference between minus 8 and minus 1. That allows us to deduce that the manganese atom is in the plus 7 oxidation state because plus 7 and minus 8 together add up to minus 1, the overall charge on the ion. The next example we're going to consider is the dichromate ion, which has the formula Cr2, O7, 2 minus. So there are two chromium atoms, seven oxygen atoms, and overall a two minus charge. Overall, the oxidation states in this ion must add up to minus two. And the oxygens present are again oxide, so they exist in the minus two oxidation state. There are seven of them, so they total up to an oxidation state of minus 14 which means the chromium atoms must add up to plus 12 to give us a balance of minus two oxidation state because of that charge on the ion. So that means the chromiums present must account for an oxidation state total of plus 12. So the chromiums add up to plus 12 and there are two chromium atoms present. So each of those is in the plus six oxidation state. It's that simple, we just divide that plus 12 by the number of chromium atoms present, which is two. Now let's look at some examples that show the varying oxidation states of sulfur. First, we're going to consider the oxidation state of sulfur in the sulfate ion. And the sulfate ion, as you probably know, is SO4 2 minus. It's the same ion that you find in sulfuric acid. So we go through the same process again. Overall, that ion has a two minus charge on it, and therefore the total oxidation states for all the atoms within the ion add up to minus two. The oxygens are minus two each, so there are minus eight from the four oxygens. So if we have a minus eight, and the ion has a total of minus two, then the sulfur atom must be in the plus six oxidation state. So sulfur in the sulfate ion is in the plus six oxidation state. Let's consider another compound that has sulfur in. So we're going to look at sulfur dioxide, SO2. Sulfur dioxide is a compound and therefore has a neutral charge. That means all the oxidation states within the compound must add up to zero. The oxygens present are in the minus two oxidation state each, and there are two of them. So the oxygens add up to minus four. The only other atom present is one sulfur atom, so the sulfur must have the plus four oxidation state in this compound. Finally, let's think about another compound of sulfur. We're going to talk about hydrogen disulfide, which has the formula H2S. And this is the compound that is quite toxic and has a very bad egg smell. But we're not going to consider that. We're going to talk about the oxidation state of the sulfur. So this is a, a compound again. The overall charge is neutral. 
and that means the total of the oxidation states of the atoms within the compound add up to zero. This is not a metal hydride, so the hydrogens within this compound are H+. They have a plus one oxidation state each, and there's two of them, so the hydrogens add up to plus two. The only other atom is one sulfur, so the sulfur must balance off that plus two. It must have an oxidation state of minus two. So we've considered three different entities with sulfur in, sulfate, sulfur dioxide, and hydrogen disulfide. And in each case, the sulfur had a different oxidation state. It does have at least one more oxidation state as well. And I'll leave you to work that one out for yourself in, for example, the compound sulfur trioxide SO3. Why not DM me and let me know how you've done with working that one out. Now that we can work out the oxidation states of various elements in various compounds and ions, how is that useful? What can we do with them? How do we use this in reactions? Well, if we're able to identify the oxidation states of atoms in reactants and in a product, then we're able to see whether or not there's been a change of oxidation state in a reaction for particular elements or whether there's been any change at all. In other words, we can see whether there's been oxidation or reduction within a reaction. And to do this, you might find it useful when you write the chemical equation for a reaction to jot a note of perhaps above each of the elements showing what are the oxidation states of the elements and then just compare the left-hand side of the equation and the right-hand side of the equation to see if any of those oxidation states changed. If any of them did, then we have a redox reaction, a reaction where there's been an oxidation and a reduction. And once you've identified that a reaction is a redox reaction, you're now able to go on and deduce the half equations for the oxidation or the reduction or for both. And that's going to be the topic of our next episode. We're going to go more deeply into that next time. So let's summarise what we've talked about today. Firstly, we talked about the rules for assigning oxidation states to various atoms within elements, within compounds, and within ions. We talked about atoms within elements have oxidation state zero. Within compounds, the overall oxidation state, the total for all the atoms present, is a total of zero. And for ions, the total of the oxidation states for the atoms present adds up to the same as the overall charge on the ion. We talked about examples for manganese, chromium and sulphur and all of these have varying oxidation states. We looked in a little more depth at various compounds for sulphur to demonstrate that. And then we mentioned that we can, once we've worked out the oxidation states, we can use that to help us to identify whether or not a reaction is a redox reaction, whether there's a reduction in oxidation taking place. So I hope you found this episode useful. If it has been useful, you can find a lot more the Chemistry Made Simple Academy, so hop over there. If you haven't done so yet, I invite you to go and check that out. Just visit chemistrymadesimple.net slash program, and I'll put that link in the show notes too. As always, I'd like to hear from you to hear what questions you have and what, what topics you want to hear more about on the podcast. So the best way is to DM me on Instagram at chemistrymadesimple. These episodes about oxidation, for example, were a request from a couple of students. So you might get your topic covered too. Do come back for the next episode where we're going to be talking more about half reactions and how to deduce them, how to balance them, how to and how to turn them into a full equation as well. So look after yourself until then and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.